Thank you for visiting the Oscar Doctor. This is a separate segment off of the Popcorn and Pop Culture Podcast. My name is Robert Ng. At the Oscar Doctor, I like to talk things, all things about the Oscars. We just had the 90th annual Oscars, so stay tuned for all of my takeaways and thoughts. Please take a seat in our waiting room. So, at the Oscar Doctor, we break down the Oscars, the 90th annual Oscars were this past weekend, and a lot happened. I just want to start out to mention that this was the lowest rated Oscars of all time. I think this is the first time that it dipped below 30 million viewers. I think it's at uh, 26.5 million people watched it, which is still a lot of people. But why the dip? It's been dipping for a while. It kind of fluctuates. But this year is alarming because 26.5 million people, the lowest rated Oscars telecast of all time. There's something going wrong, right? Something going wrong. I personally enjoy watching the Oscars. I love movies as you all know i watch most if not all of the nominees this year i watched i maybe seven out of the nine nominees and i just know what to expect from the oscars maybe i, I just don't get people who argue or who complain about the oscars being too long well it's like the Oscars are a long ceremony. You're going to get three hours and 30 minutes of presenters and awards being given out and acceptance speeches and funny skits that the host is going to be going through. You just have to expect it. And I personally, this wasn't that long of an Oscars telecast. It was well under four hours. It just felt long. The pacing was a little bit off. There were... a Okay, a handful of duds. I didn't really thoroughly enjoy Jimmy Kimmel's uh, crashing of the wrinkle in time screening with a bunch of famous actors. I thought last year's having the tour bus, the tour group, come into the Oscars was a better idea. But this was kind of similar in that aspect. And I didn't think it worked very well. But there were some amazing moments. And there were some amazing awards given out. And... You know, I, I like it. I always like the Oscars. Maybe if there were some things that I would like to see cut out, I don't need to see all the songs. You know, we had a handful of performances, and even though they cut the song short, I think except for Remember Me, I feel like they made that song longer than it actually was. But for the performances and the singers and songwriters involved with Best Song, this is the Oscars, this isn't the Grammys. We don't really need those musical performances. I don't really think they do anything, really. They kind of just waste time. I liked the montages before every best actor category. I like seeing past winners. I like the montages. I like the important moments, those important scenes. And watching that montage gets me really pumped up before they're about to give an award to the new winner of that category. So that was really good, and I really liked that a lot. And But I feel like although those montages worked, they went a little bit too far with some other 
montages. I didn't really need to see the war movie montage. I thought that was a little silly. And even the whole 90 years of Oscars montage, I thought was a little bit too much too. You take those out, which were like almost like three to five minutes each. Those are pretty long montages. You take those out, you take the songs and performances out. And I might get some backlash here saying this, but I don't think that the Oscars telecast, the big night with all the movie stars and giving the biggest award saying that this is the best picture of the year. I don't think that ceremony, I don't think that needs to have those smaller categories such as best documentary short, best animated short, best live action short. Those shorts that are from like three to 20 minutes long, you know, I understand that they are, they're still a part of filmmaking, a lot of writers and directors and actors get their start doing these sort of things they can be as gripping and entertainment and, and entertaining as feature films i get that i get the importance and i get the art and the craft of it and they deserve the oscars when they win it i just don't think it should be broadcasted on television because i guarantee you if people are complaining that people that there aren't enough movies that are nominated for best picture that the general public has seen then they have no idea who these people are and what these short films are that are up for these categories and you eliminate those three short categories you save about 10 to 15 minutes you take out all of the performances you save about another 10 to 15 minutes you can use those, you can use that half hour for other things. You take out those two long montages, you save another 10 minutes. Right there, I just saved the Academy, the Oscars, about 40 minutes of airtime. So if you take those out, then our showtime, the length is well under three hours. And I think if that was the case, then people wouldn't really be complaining as much that the show is too long. Sure, it still is going to be long. You're giving awards out, it's, it's very repetitive, but it's a celebration of film, and you, try to, you kinda have to think, like, who is watching the Oscars? It's the mainly the American public who are watching the Oscars, so you have to do things that they want to see. Um, you know, it's still a very serious night, and a lot of people are nervous, and there's no, there's no dinner and alcohol like the Golden Globes. You're just sitting in your seats, and you're just waiting for your category to be announced and so forth. So, I don't know, make it more fun somehow. I'm not exactly sure how to make the Oscars better. Those are just some of my suggestions for the length and the um, just to make it smoother, I guess. I liked how Jimmy Kimmel stated that they're not going to play off people. And that only lasted for like the first half or so. And I was impressed because that's one thing that I always hated when someone goes up there, gives an acceptance speech, and they start playing them off with music. That's just rude, okay? This is their moment. They might, they may never be up there again for the rest of their lives. Think about how many people who have won an Oscar and how many people have won multiple Oscars. The multiple Oscars is not a lot of times. So this is their moment. Give them their moment. Give them two minutes. You don't have to play them off after 45 seconds. They have people to thank. They want to tell their, about their journey. They want to tell how important their role was or how important their mentor was when they were growing up. That's fine. I love to hear that. I get inspired and I think it, it is just 
Some people do it better than others, but in all, it's just great listening to acceptance speeches. They're not always just tuning their own horns. They're not always saying that we are the privileged and the public are just you know, envious of watching us do what we love and making a lot of money for it and getting the recognition that we want for it. It, it, is, it is, and it can be very inspiring. So I like that, but you know, like what happened, they started off with no, they weren't playing off anyone, but then the early categories really didn't matter. We got a lot of categories for, um, cine not cinematography, because that was one that I was really happy that Roger Deakins finally won. So his 14th nomination, zero wins. He finally won this year for Blade Runner 2049. So congratulations to Mr. Deakins for, you know, a whole resume of great cinematography work. So he definitely deserved at least three, four, five by now. But this is his first one, so good job. But yeah, there's the categories in the beginning were like production design, costume design, all those things. And they were getting as much time as they needed to give their speeches. And then later down the line, when more important winners were going, they were cutting them off. So I didn't really totally enjoy that. Um, so some really, really important moments, to me at least, I thought that Frances McDormand winning, while that wasn't a surprise, her speech was arguably the best moment of the entire night. And you never know what to expect when Frances McDormand goes up there and accepts a speech. I think she won the night before at the Indie Spirits Awards and she started cursing up a storm. So that was unexpected. And, but that's what she brings. She brings that quirkiness to the table. She brings that surprise and that shock factor. You don't know what she's going to say. You don't know what she wants, what her agenda is when she gets up in front of that microphone. So having her accept her award at the Oscars, and this is her second win, she won for Fargo as well. So she's kind of, she's not new to the game, and she's a veteran actress at this point. But when you think about Frances McDormand, she doesn't do big things. She kind of is almost like the Daniel Day-Lewis of, of actresses. She doesn't, she's not in a lot of things. She's not in a lot of movies. She's very selective, but she's always a great performer. She is one of the finest actresses of our generation. Anyway, what was such a great moment was when she asked all the women who were nominated tonight to stand up. And I love how when she did that, I was kind of cringing. I'm like, okay, what if, what if she's just making a fool out of herself? What if no one stands up? And then she was like, Meryl. Meryl Streep, if you stand up, everyone else will too. And it's just so awesome that Meryl was just going with it. She's like, yes, I will stand up. Because she was nominated, so she should have stood up. But what was so impactful for this moment was how, you know, we're, 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 we're still going through the Me Too movement and equality for women, not only for pay, but to speak out against sexual harassment and sexual abuse. And these are all really important things. And in Hollywood, with such celebrities and such people in power here, people who are idols and role models for younger people, like, it's important that Hollywood gets this right. It's important that women become a bigger part of the production of a lot of movies and a lot of sets and cast and crew and even television. Like This is a stage that should be taken very, very seriously for these type of issues. Because if we, you know, if we watch movies for entertainment and we watch television programs and then we understand that all these wrong things, these sexual harassment claims and 
women equality and you know men getting paid ten times as much as a woman if 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 they're okay with doing it then they're just sending the wrong message to the general public and for those growing up who may want to be an actor or want to do something with their lives in that type of entertainment aspect in the future so it's great that they are taking this so seriously every single award show using that stage as their microphone as their megaphone to voice their opinions about it. So when she said all the women who are nominated tonight stand up, it was very shocking that there weren't that many. You know, you have your obvious categories for best actress, best supporting actress. You know, you have 10 right there. But then all in all, when you looked at that whole theater, there weren't many women at all because this was a historic year. You know, we had our first ever female nomination for Best Cinematographer. And you just think about it, how has there never been a female nominated for Best Cinematographer, Best Cinematographer before? What makes men better cinematographers than women? Is It's so, like, it's insane to think about that. And Greta Gerwig being nominated for Screenplay and being nominated for Best Director, you know, there there have not been many Best Directors nominations that are female. And we know that Catherine Bigelow from The Hurt Locker, she was the first one to win. And that was only about eight years ago. And this is the 90th annual Academy Awards. So yes, that, I mean, I am happy to say things are changing. Things are looking up. You know, we had the Oscars So White movement, I think it was last year or two years ago. So there is... A change but like they keep on saying like Francis was saying you know you can't just sit down and allow them you can't expect it to change without really making some statements some powerful statements and keep on pushing that envelope keep on progressing and so that was interesting and then the greatest part about her speech was she left her speech with two words and she says these are the last two words of my speech inclusion writer I had no idea what she meant by that I don't think most of the people especially the general public in America knew what she was talking about so when I researched it what is this inclusion writer and she talked about it more in her in her interview after the Oscars or your, after you win you go back to the press and you give a short interview with uh, everyone asking you questions and so they asked her what was that and she explained it, how this was a, a term coined years ago, and she only learned about it last week. And she's been acting for over 30 years. She only learned about this last week. And it's basically when you are negotiating your contract, and the bigger the actor or the director is, obviously the more pull they're going to have with their negotiation with the studios. But if you're negotiating your contract, you can put it in your contract that there would be a certain amount of percent of inclusion of people of color, of diversity, disabilities, whatever you, whatever you want to throw, you can negotiate in your contract that a certain amount of people have to be represented in the cast and also in the crew, which is so important. And how is this something that, that no one has ever really heard of before? And like I said, she just heard about it last week, and it's phenomenal. She talked about this inclusion writer, and then I think this past week, Michael B. Jordan made a statement that he's like, I'm using inclusion writer, I'm going to be negotiating for all of the movies that he does and his studio does. I think that is spectacular. 
this could be the very defining moment of significant change. Now, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm always going to be looking at this in my personal perspective because I am an Asian American and I feel like, you know, during the Oscar So White movement, I'm like, yes, you're right. Oscars are really white. You know, the majority of the people who are in the Academy are white. Everyone that makes films are white. We're learning about white stories and white people left and right. You know, my favorite actors and actresses are all white. And that's, I'm not, I'm not bashing Caucasians and I'm not bashing that. But I'm saying that there was this, there was that push for Oscar So White, that hashtag, to get more African Americans and blacks involved in the productions and the cast and crew and the nominations and for those movies to win. And they, you know, it there is a significant movement going on and there's a there's been winners, you know, Mahershala Ali won last year. We had um, Moonlight pull off the upset over a super white movie called of La La Land and those were good significant changes. But in addition to that, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it down and say where are the Asian representation in the Academy Awards, and that is almost non-existent. I look at almost all the shows on television, and there is a very very few amount of Asian representation. And when there are Asians in the films or in the movies, they're either playing a dork, a nerd, someone who can fix your computer. Just these such minor, minor roles with one or two lines, and they always get stereotyped. They always get typecasted. And sure, you know that that's the problem. That's one of the problems. You know, we have to. And we're. Are you going to legitimately say that for the biggest country in the entire world, there aren't going to be talented actors coming from that country for that region of the world? You know, so. You know, we're getting a lot more representation from women. We're getting a lot more representation from Latinos, Hispanics, and, you know, African Americans. Yes, and that's great. Guillermo won Best Director, and, you know, he's, he's, he's providing a good dose of that type of Latinos. And um, Inyaritu has won in the past. Alfonso Coron has won in the past. We've had a movie Coco this year from Pixar, a super Disney production that usually just concentrates on white stories. So, yeah, there is a change, but I want to see a bigger change that represents Asians. Not just Asian Americans, but just Asians in general. Some Asian stories. And yes, you can say Mulan is coming out. But like, you know, you're, you're going to get one out of the hundred or so movies that I made every single year. The percentage of Asians that are nominated are so, so low. Like, it's not even a percentage. It's a small, small amount that I can't even see with a magnifying glass. So, we'll see. Anyway, I'm done with my rant there. Now I want to talk about the Best Picture winner. Um, Shape of Water won for Best Picture. And everyone who followed the award season this year knew that this was a very difficult year to predict who was going to win Best Picture. And for most recent years, you know, it has been difficult because last year everyone thought La La Land was going to win because it was running through award season. It was winning the right awards, but then Moonlight came out of nowhere and won. So that was surprising. And we still have to remember that since 2009, they changed the voting process to a preferential voting system where you rank films and because of that polarizing films might not do well and more just generally liked films do better so that was always on my mind because even though shape of water won 
Three Billboards was the actual favorite. You know, the Vegas odds makers made it the number one favorite to win Best Picture. But this was a wide open year. Three Billboards was favorite. Shape of Water was right behind it because it won the PGAs, which usually do, do you know, it's a, it's a good precursor to say who's going to might who's going to possibly win Best Picture. But then you had this Get Out push. Get Out won the Indie Spirits Awards, and I think the last four movies to win Indie Spirits Awards won Best Picture. And so when Get Out won the Indie Spirits, that was a huge, huge momentum change. And even though it was the day before, so already voting process has ended, there was a huge push for Get Out for so long. I don't think that... I think the most people would have been happy if Get Out won. I think... If there was a movie that people were rooting for the most passionately, it was Get Out. And it was just so impressive that Get Out came out in February. Get Out literally was released for longer than a year ago when the Oscars telecast was gone. The Oscars came on the first weekend of March and Get Out came out the previous year in February. So the fact that it didn't fizzle out. It didn't fade out. It only grew stronger. People either watched it in the theaters and made a ton of money, over a hundred million, I believe. And then when it came out streaming, when it came out on HBO, when it came out on DVD and Blu-ray, more and more people were watching this being, and they were just, they were just living it up. It was a great film. Everyone realized how great of a film this was. And I keep on using my phrase, it's a genre breaking film. It does so much in one movie, it's political, it's about racial tension, it's it's a thriller, it's a horror, it's a comedy, it's so many things in one. And so Get Out, I mean, I was even jumping on board with Get Out, even though I predicted Shape of Water to win, because I'm always going to try to find something logical. I'm gonna look at the statistics, I'm gonna look at history, and I'm gonna try to use that for my prediction. I try to leave my personal feelings out of my predictions. But I was I was feeling it. I'm like, this is the get out time. This is they're gonna win. And when Get Out won the screenplay, and that was a really, really difficult category for Get Out to win. It had three billboards, you know, it had Shape of Water, it had Ladybird. There were a lot of big, big movies up for the best original screenplay and Get Out won. I was I was certain after Get Out won for Best Screenplay that Get Out was going to win for Best Picture, and I was excited for it. I was excited for this Get Out to be called out, uh, you know, with the envelope. I, I was excited to see Jordan Peele up again with the cast and crew, and just just really living in that moment. So I don't know. It's weird to say that I picked The Shape of Water because it was the safe pick. I really, even though Three Billboards was the quote unquote front runner and the Vegas odds makers front runner I didn't think Three Billboards really had a good chance to win because it was way too polarizing you either loved that movie or you hated it and that does not do well in a preferential voting system I know it had a lot of momentum going in but it was not going to do well and Shape of Water to, it's weird to say that Shape of Water was the safe bet because Shape of Water is a movie about an, an amphibious man creature who falls in love with a mute woman and who's um that mute woman's best friend is her neighbor who is a gay man played by Richard Jenkins so there's a gay there's 
a creature, a monster, and there's a mute woman, and there's some fish sex going on here. It might be one of the most sexualized Best Picture winners ever. To say that all, say that movie is the safe pick to win the Oscars, to win the Best Picture this year, is just an, almost like an oxymoron. But it makes sense because this was such a such a, such a great year of film. You know, we had some really really powerful films, really really, you know unconventional films being made, some unique stories and perspectives, and that's why it was so difficult to pick a clear winner this year. But congratulations to The Shape of Water. I thought it was an outstanding film. It was a top 10 film for me in 2017, and I'm happy that it won. And uh, and yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's really interesting because after all was said and done, I like to look at what statistics still make sense going forward. Because if you listen to any of my past podcast episodes here, I I look at statistics like crazy. So what so what statistics still stand, and which ones, which curses, or which statistics have been broken? Well, there was that one, and the one that I kept on alluding to about the shape of water. So when the SAG awards, when they announced their nominations, and they're one of the first ones out of all the guilds, if not, they might be the first one out of the guilds, and the SAGs, the Screen Actor Guild, they are the largest guild in the Academy. So they're usually a very powerful group. So when Shape of Water was not nominated for a SAG ensemble, I was like, okay, that's it. Shape of Water has no chance of winning anymore. I left it down to Lady Bird, to Get Out, and to Three Billboards because they were nominated for the SAG Ensemble Award and Three Billboards won. So that gave them a huge, huge boost. That being said, there was that curse, Shape of Water. There was a curse that they overcame. So The Shape of Water became the first movie since 1995 to win Best Picture without receiving a SAG Ensemble nomination. So you might be asking, why did I predict it to win with this with this curse or with this history being made? You can't really predict history being made. Well, that's because there were other things that made Shape of Water kind of easier to predict. Even though Three Billboards was the front runner, there were only four movies in Oscar history. So before this year, it was 89 years of Oscar history. Four out of the 89 years, so four movies to win Best Picture without receiving a Best Director nomination. So Martin McDonough was not nominated for Best Director this year. He directed Three Billboards. And yet Three Billboards was still the front runner to win. Like, those are not good odds in my opinion and then the streak continues because everyone thought three billboards was going to win well guess what martin mcdonald was nominated for best director so if you think that it was going to become the fifth movie in oscar history to win best picture without a best director nomination uh-uh i did not think that was going to happen so that is still a really really good indicator whether or not a movie will win best picture or not another one is that Get Out and Lady Bird kind of fell together in these two statistics. So since 1980, only one film has won Best Picture without being nominated for Best Editing. And Get Out and Lady Bird were both not nominated for Best Editing. So that streak continues. That's a, still a good statistic. You have to be at least nominated for Best Editing to win Best Picture. Only one movie has beat that 
statistic since 1980. So that's a long time. And in addition to that, Lady Bird and Get Out were not nominated for Best Film at the BAFTAs, the British Oscars. So the last time a film won Best Picture without a BAFTA Best Film nomination was Million Dollar Baby in 2004. Now that is the most recent one, but it's still one that's worth mentioning because Combining that with the best editing for Lady Bird and Get Out, it seemed like they had no chance to win Best Picture. But the one that was broken, that I was, you know, when I said that I think I thought Get Out was going to win when it won Best Screenplay, Best Original Screenplay. So since 2011, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that that's wrong. But usually the film that has won, that wins that wins its screenplay category since preferential voting in 2009 won the best picture. So Shape of Water didn't win the writing screenwriting category, but yet it still won best picture. So that broke that curse because you usually win your respected screenplay category, whether it's original screenplay or adapted screenplay, you usually, the, the best picture winner usually wins its screenplay category. So that was unexpected as well. Anyway, well, I think that's all I have to really say. Um, I enjoy the Oscars. I always do. One thing, and I'll leave, I'll leave this as my final takeaway, my final thought, is that I always wish that they reveal the results. You don't have to reveal the voting results during the telecast, but maybe like a day after the Oscars, or even a week after the Oscars. I want to know if... You know, because Shape of Water won, and so obviously it was a number one, I want to know what movie was number two. And I want to know by what, what was the difference? You get Hall of Fame votes for every sport, and you get to see the total. You get to see the total amount of votes. How much did that player just barely eke, eke it in and make it to the Hall of Fame? Did this player just miss out on that Hall of Fame ballot this year? You get to see the results. And I think that's important. I think that is thrilling. That will make it so much more fascinating to follow the Oscars. Um, I want to know who was number two. Was was I right with Get Out possibly being the number two to runner-up to Shape of Water? Or was it really three billboards that close to winning and it was actually clearly upset by Shape of Water? I want to know how close Lady Bird was. I want to know how close Dunkirk was to winning. Um, I want to know who was the runner-up for the, all the best acting categories. You know, I want to know Gary Oldman was clearly going to win best actor, but was it going to be Timothy Chalamet as number two or was... You know, was someone else like Daniel Day-Lewis, number two, for his last performance in his career, as he states. I mean, I, I understand the reasons why they don't reveal these statistics and these numbers, but I think it would be so fascinating to just reveal them and just to find out who was runner-up and who was really not even close to winning. <laughs> anyway, so I talked for long enough. This has been The Oscar Doctor, a production and a segment from the Popcorn and Pop Culture podcast. So please, write a review to the Popcorn and Pop Culture podcast. Write a, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us anywhere where you listen to podcasts. So thank you for listening, and I'll see you maybe next year. Peace.